0: Well, if you don't know, my name's Pastor Brandon, and I'm the young adult pastor here, and I also do some life coaching for uh, individuals, couples, and families between the ages of 13 and end of life, and um, I'm really excited to be up here um, again. It's been about two months, and Pastor Kevin and Pastor James— um, Asked if I would be open to uh, sharing the word on the final Sunday of 2018. And of course, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what an opportunity. Anytime I have the opportunity to hang out with our faith family, where we can, we can lift up, exhort the word of God, as we point towards 2019, what a wonderful opportunity. Amen? So I'm excited to be up here for so many reasons, but I think it's only fitting before we look to 2019 and all that God has for us that we look back and we reflect upon what God has done in 2018. And so we're going to be interacting today because we're a family. And and, and all I know is when I think of family, I think of interactions. I think of people talking together. We're going to interact. And so hopefully you picked up a, a handout. If you didn't, this would be a good time to grab one right now because you're going to be writing and communicating throughout the service. And so if you can pull that out right now, there's pins in the back of your chair. We're going to be taking just a few moments to reflect upon two things that God in his faithfulness has done this year in 2018. Now, for some of us, let's think through this. For some of us, 2018 has been awesome. It's been amazing, right? Babies were born. Relationships were started. Weddings happened. It's been a beautiful year. I also understand that 2018 has been incredibly challenging for others. There's been loss of life and tragedies and complexities and difficulties. But no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, when you think about 2018, how many of us know that God, through it all, is still faithful? God, through it all, is still walking with us always to the end of the age. So let's take a moment and let's reflect on two important somethings that God has done in your life. Let's be intentional and let's write those down right now. There's always something to praise God for. And I'm gonna do that with you this morning. While everyone is filling this out, if you are here and perhaps you're, you're coming and you're still figuring out this whole, this whole God and Christian narrative and, and, and you're, you're here, you're kind of coming and seeing and you're checking it out, man, I want to encourage you just to write down two things you're thankful for. Even if you're not ready to attribute that to God, what's most important this morning is that let's all, let's all work together today. Let's all, let's all participate. Don't overthink it. What are those things that come to your mind? Don't get so, you know, I'm a deal. Like, oh, getting really deep in your mind. Just, what are you thankful for? (laughs) What are you you thankful for? Yeah, this is good. Man, it's always a good time to express gratitude to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I, I wanted to participate with this as well. And so, as I was preparing today's message... Two things came to mind that I was grateful for, and so the first one that I was grateful for was, man, a dramatic leap forward in my health. For those of you who don't know, um, I shared a little bit more. Thank you. God's good. Praise Jesus. Right. So, for those of you who don't know, in 2012, I was in a terrible chiropractic incident where my brainstem was compressed, and that left me debilitated from the neck down, and it's been an incredible journey. I've shared that with you guys already, where even walking, had to, I had to relearn how to walk. I couldn't clothe myself. I couldn't shower myself. My wife, who's my lovely wife, it's our anniversary today, 12 years. So, God's been good. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so just faithfulness. of watching my wife caretake for me in every way. Use your imagination. If you can't use your own arms and your own limbs, everything must be done for you. And so I'm on this journey, and over the last seven years, and God's been faithful. I still have many, many limits. I'm still in this chair, but God has been good. And when I think about 2018 specifically, it's been a radical and dramatic leap forward in my health. And I've been able to share that journey with you guys. You guys are watching God heal me because we serve a good God. God. And so that's one of the things that I was, I'm really thankful for in 2018. The second thing that really came to my mind, it was just the, one of the first things that came to my mind, was a deepening relationship with a brother in Christ um, who I get the pleasure of pursuing the things of God alongside. You know, guys, I was laid out for about four to five of those years pretty much on my back, 17 hours a day. And so, man, I love my wife, and I love my children, I love my family, and that's all I saw, right, (laughs) for so so many years. But God and His faithfulness has risen me up. He's put me in community. We were made for community. We were made for relationship. And man, to be able to to, to connect in the word of God with a brother who loves Jesus and wants to pursue Jesus. That is a beautiful thing. And so these are the two things that came to my mind. Now, whatever you wrote down, right now we're going to pray. And we're going to invite the Lord into this moment. He's here. We're going to really be seeking for our heart's posture to, to receive what God has. So if you would join me in prayer. Let's thank God for all that He's done for us, and then let's prepare to see what the Word of God says as we move towards 2019. Amen? Let's do that. God of truth and love and Man, you're limitless in your sovereignty. It's because of Jesus, Lord, Jesus the Christ, that we are gathered today by faith. Lord, some of us are here because, man, honestly, we're just being polite to an invitation that was given to us by a friend or a family, and our hearts are, are not really centered right now in this moment, but we're here because of an invitation. Yet, some of us are here because we truly want to investigate this, the authenticity, Lord, of these claims um, that the church makes that Jesus indeed is the Lord and Savior of our lives. That he's the creator of all things, and we're here to investigate because we're not sure that's true, and yet others of us are here because we're, we're desperate, Lord, we're desperate. We're in so much pain, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, we're in so much pain, and honestly, we've, we've tried everything, Lord, and this is our last step, yet some of us are here because we've truly made a decision in Christ to commit our entire lives to him. But Lord, what, what's true of all of us, Lord, is that we all are here this morning. And I don't believe for one second, God, that that's an accident, Lord. But I believe in your providence, Lord, that you have gathered us today by faith to hear from you. So, Lord what we need to understand in our heart and our mind right now in this moment is that you do not need our efforts. You don't need my efforts. You don't need their efforts, Lord. You are not served by human hands or opinions or approval or anything, Lord. We're here because we are acknowledging that we need you. We are desperate for you. Holy Spirit, help us to understand how much we need you Lord, we lift up how good you have been despite life's tragedies and complexities this year to us in 2018. And Lord, as I reflect on these two somethings that you have done for me, as each and every one of my brothers and sisters reflect upon how you've been good to them, help us to walk in a posture of gratitude. But Lord, as we prepare to embark on 2019, may the power of your holy scripture permeate through our hearts out of our actions so that we can make much of you throughout our days. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So today's message is called New Year, New Mindset. Everybody say New Year. Because we have a new one coming. Praise Christ. New Mindset. Right? New Mindset. Running your race for Christ with joy. And so today I want to give you a a, a little snapshot. I want you to know where we're going today. So we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah And then we're going to build a bridge from Isaiah, hopefully, to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at Isaiah and Hebrews, and we're going to see what God has to tell us about how we can walk wisely and joyfully in 2019 into a deeper Christ-centered relationship with him. Is that good news? That, that's really good news to me, and so this is really important. We're all at different points in our walk, and one of the things I love doing with our young adult ministry that we we'll meet on Wednesdays is I always say, hey, before we just go and we, we dwell in two or three verses in a passage, it's so important that we have context for what we're reading. So here's what I'm going to ask of you, because we're family, right? We're gathered today. This is our faith family. So I, I, I'm going to do my part, but I need you to do your part, and your part is to not just sit and to be laggardly, and just to be a consumer. You can't do that. That's not why we come to church, okay? We come to church for two reasons. We come to church because we want to be reminded of all that the Lord has done, all that he's done in our lives. We want to be exhorted by the word of God, and then we want to do our part, and we want to walk by faith in that. So your part in today, as you're interacting with this text, is to think deeply and lean into the scripture as we go through it. So let's talk about the book of Isaiah. The first thing I want you to fill out in your paper is this. The book of Isaiah is mentioned 66 times, approximately 66 times throughout the New Testament. So that, that, that's incredible news, okay? So if you're a, a deeply mature Christian or if this is your first time, let me explain to you why that's a big deal. So the New Testament is primarily written by the disciples of Jesus or the Apostle Paul, who's also a disciple of Jesus. And for whatever reason, The Apostle Paul, and all of Jesus' disciples, decided to mention the book of Isaiah approximately 66 times throughout the New Testament. So that tells us, as a faith family, that the book of Isaiah is very important, and we want to pay attention to that. Here's the second thing. The book of Isaiah is written by a man who was a prophet— But he just wasn't any prophet, guys. I'm writing this down, right? You're doing your part right now. He wasn't any prophet, but he was a prophet in the Bible of the Old Testament who communicated in more detail. Here's the key. He communicated in more detail than any other prophet mentioned in Scripture about the coming of the Messiah and the expectation of a Savior. A Savior who was going to come to redeem and to heal and reconcile our lands and our hearts So the fact that the book of Isaiah in God's divine wisdom was placed in the Old Testament, the fact that it's referenced at least 66 times in the New Testament tells us as a faith family that what the prophet Isaiah has to say is infinitely important to us this morning. So I think it's worthy of our time to look at, amen? So let's look at what what, what the prophet Isaiah has to say in the word of the Lord. And this comes in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. And this is the word of the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts your thoughts. This is good news. Because if, any, if you look in the mirror for longer than five seconds you will we all know there is deep comfort in knowing that god is not like us amen we do not need to be serving and following after a god who is exactly like not like brandon because let me tell you if god was like me w- w- man we all need to flee quick right? so we serve a god and his and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that's good news that is good news. This whole journey we have on an intentional and radical relationship with Jesus is to walk in sanctification, dying daily, to live more, to become more like him, to think more like him, to talk more like him, to have affections more like him. And so what does that mean? How can we, how can we look in that? How can we get underneath this text so we can build a wise bridge to Hebrews? So we're going to look at this in three ways. We're going to look at three ways where we are different than God, where God is infinitely and supremely different than us. Are you guys ready to do that? So here's one of those ways, and this is going to come out of um, a book I wrote called The Journeyman Discipleship um, um, Program. And so the first one is the heart. The heart. God is radically different than us in his heart. But we got to get deeper than the heart. So when we think of the heart, I want you to think about that um, as the chamber that holds your affections. Say affections. So when you say that loudly, I know you're with me. Say affections. Okay, thank you. So, so affections resides in your heart, amen? So we are radically different than Jesus in our affections. So here's, here's the definition of how I define it in this book, affections. Affections are that which you are most, excuse me, affections are that which you most desire, love, and are devoted to affections are strong not weak they're not double-minded they're strong inclinations of the soul that are manifested in our thought life emotions and actions now think about this lean in with me for a second i'm going to do a little thought experiment all right so i'm a father there's fathers in here raise your hand if you're a father okay cool we got some moms okay Okay, cool. Um, do we have some people who are brothers to someone? Anybody? Brothers, okay. We have some brothers. What about, are you a sister to someone? Okay, cool. So that's everybody. Great. All right. So, so let's, let's go with this example, okay? So is it not true? Is it not true that fathers, you can go home and you can faithfully work your eight to five job every single day, and you can be faithful with your finances, using them and sacrificing them for your family, you can return home faithfully Monday through, from Monday to Monday. You can make dinner every single night for your wife and kids. You can kiss little Johnny and little Susie on their cheek and make sure that your wife gets the last one because you saved the best for last. You can clean the whole house. You can do all these actions and your heart not be in it. Is it not true that you can do all kinds of actions, but your affections can be so far from the things you're doing. See, we serve a God who's not chiefly and primarily after your actions. That is not what the Bible teaches. We, we see through the Holy Scriptures that God is supremely after our heart. But we gotta go deeper. It means he's supremely after what lives within our hearts, which is our affections, the things that we most desire, the things that we most are devoted to, the things that we most love. And when we think about what God most loves, when we think about what God most desires, when we think about what God most is devoted to, we're radically different. We often want the things that are comfort, comfortable for us and safe. God is after things that are radical and deep and life-changing. How can we become more and more like him in our heart? That's one of the ways that his ways are different than our ways and his thoughts are different than our thoughts. Here's the second area where he's different. Don't worry, there's good news. I know we're talking about how separated we are from Jesus, but there's gonna be good news coming. So here's another way. It's the mind. Everybody say the mind the mind the thoughts right our thoughts lord jesus our thoughts are so much different than the god of the universe right our thoughts are so far from his thoughts and so here is how i think through thoughts to help us get underneath that so here it is the mind is the sum total of every thought of every single impression conscious subconscious An unconscious belief and or opinion we have within us it's every thought it's the thought you have right now i'm thinking i want to be faithful right now i want to be empty of brandon so i can be filled with christ so i can wisely interact with all you wonderful beautiful people this morning and i know that your thoughts right now are how much you want to do your part Or, or you're thinking about what you want to do after but you you know don't come on now you gotta lock in with me this morning right so we got thoughts we control those i'm controlling what i want to think about we also have subconscious thoughts right here so lean in with me for this example okay so you know how you lose your keys because i was yeah, yeah woof, or your wallet and you're looking and you're frustrated and you're looking all around where are those keys and so you resolve oh, I can't find them. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch this show. I don't really have anything to do anyway for a couple hours. So you sit down, you put on your movie, and you're like halfway through it. And all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I remember. It's in my left side of my jacket pocket. You go there, you find the keys are right there. What happened in that hour and a half? You weren't thinking those thoughts, were you? No, but your subconscious was still doing the work of that question where are the keys, where are the keys, where are the keys? So we have these different faculties of our mind. We have the parts of our mind that we control, and those ones we control are not like God's thoughts. We have the parts that are subconscious, we don't really control them, and the ones that we don't control are far from God's thoughts. And here's what Bruce Davis, a Christian psychologist renowned, one of the greatest ones actually that we have, says about our thought life. Are you ready for this? Over 85% of our subconscious thoughts are negative. It's the things that are wrong with us, the things we wish were better. It's the things that we feel, um, if we would have done this right, if we would have done this a little bit more, if I would have been a little bit more faithful in this, it's constantly thinking about broken relationships. You're not thinking of it consciously. It's like a dirty cloud that's always weighing over you that is not the god that's not god's thoughts he's not thinking those things we serve a god of hope and peace and love and joy and redemption and reconciliation see we're different than god in our thoughts so we're different in our affections we're different in our mind this is what isaiah is saying to us we're so different declares the lord he's letting you know brandon brothers and sisters my affections are different than your affections my thoughts are different My subconscious, my conscious thoughts are different than your thoughts. Here's another way that Jesus is radically different than us. And it's with the actions. Say the actions. The actions. Our God is so different in how he acts and responds to adversity, to joy. He's different. Let's look at that a little deeper. Actions are the effectual outworking right? It's the affectional outworking of what is produced from the mind and the heart as they collide together towards their end. So, so, stay stay with me right here so when our we have these affections these things that we most desire the things that we love what are those things by the way our affections the things we most love desire and devoted to we have our thoughts the things we're thinking and when we think about the things we think when we love the things we love when the things that we think and the things that we love come together and they collide they produce actions that come out of us are you still with me this morning the things that we love, the things we think about, when they collide together, they produce fruit. Some of the fruit are good. Some of the fruit are not good. But that is what they are. So these are the three ways that we are different than God. You know, Romans 8, um, you don't have to turn here, but Romans 8, chapter, um, um, chapter 8, verses 5 through 6, talks about this wisely when Paul says this. For those who live according to the flesh... The flesh is, man, our thoughts and our sin and all these things. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. That is our goal and that is our hope to have our minds and our affections centered on the things that are gonna give us life and are gonna give us peace. So you may be asking right now, how can I know where my affections truly are? And here's my answer to that. What are the things that you do that you don't have to try to do? I'm not talking about when you sit down and you pull into your garage and you take your big deep breath. Oh, I gotta get ready to be faithful to my my wife and my kids. I got to get ready to talk to Johnny as he tells me his 16th time about something he keeps saying and because he's seven years old and he repeats the same story over and over again so I got to I got to try really hard that's not where your affections are your affections are what you're thinking about so when all that's over I get to go sit down and watch the football game on DVR that's where your affections are because it's what's pulling you hello it's what's pulling you we want God to transform what pulls us but we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. Praise Christ, we're not alone in this. The Hebrew people have the same thing going on. You know, in the book of Hebrews, the context of what's going on, if you're new to, the, to this Christian faith or you're here to explore and you're investigating whether I'm crazy and we're all crazy here that love Jesus, well, what's happening right now in the book of Hebrews is the Hebrews are being persecuted radically for their faith in Jesus. And they've been persecuted for a very, very long time. And so because of the persecution, um, man, they became timid in some ways, and so they became dull. It's on your handout. There's some reading you can do. I, I, I wrote a little excerpt. I, I would encourage you to read a little bit about that um, later. But man, they were succumbing to starting to think and think more like the way the world thinks, instead of thinking the way God thinks. Because when you think like the world thinks, it's more comfortable. You can fit in better. You're not going to be persecuted. It's not as painful. You can just kind of be safer that way. And So they, so the, the Hebrews were starting to think more, or, or the Jewish people, synonymous, they were starting to think more like the world thinks, to think less like God thinks, to act more like the world was thinking, to act less like God was calling them to act, so we can relate to them, amen? So, so I believe that, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know exactly if this was Paul writing the book of Hebrews, but I believe it is by faith, and so I believe that as Paul, or whoever the author was, as he was writing this, he was encouraging them. So before we look in our main text today, so everything we're doing is still building the bridge to the weight today, guys. We're just building a bridge wisely. Before we get into this text, because, man, we want to be ready for the text, let's talk about the book of Hebrews. Let's, let's keep building this bridge so we can interact wisely with these two verses, okay? So the book of Hebrews is primarily written to encourage believers to run their race well. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about endurance. See, the people were getting confused. They were starting they were, they were to talk about sacrifices and all these things. Maybe if we sacrifice more. And if we do this more, maybe God will be happier with us. Can we relate to that? Hello? Starting with actions and not with our affections is always a recipe for legalistic oppression. And you will die in your spirit. That is not what God's calling us to, and it is important that we know that before we get ready to interact with Hebrews chapter 12. And then, oh, this is good news, and then in Hebrews chapter 11, Paul Paul turns and he starts to talk about all of the people who have been faithful. And so here's one of them. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. I mean, man, we've read these stories as children, some of us who have been in, in, in a Christian relationship for so long. Man, how, how about that? He gave up what, what was most valuable to him. Talking about affections, right? What was most valuable in his affections, he gave up for God. What's most valuable to you? And how freely do you live your life open-handedly to the God of the universe with, with that? Do, you, do your affections naturally give those things to Jesus and say, Lord, it's yours? It's yours. Or do you hold it tightly because you don't trust him? By faith, that's what Abel did. By faith, Enoch was taken up, so that he—excuse <clears throat> me—so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Incredible. Enoch was filled with so much faith that God in his infinite wisdom said, we're going to skip the death piece. You're just going up to heaven. You're going to have a party. That's awesome. I mean, I'd love that testimony. Just, let's just live by faith and take me home. I'm going to skip death. That's a radical faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events not yet seen with reverence and fearful trembling, constructed the ark for the saving of his household. Man, we've read that story. We've all colored the ark. Ooh, we colored the ark. Do you understand that it had not rained for over 100 years? Okay, when I I used to be a youth pastor, one of the things I used to always say is, hey, guys, let's make the word of God come to life. we got to move off of, like, Fable stories like this isn't this is not like George Washington and the apple. This is true. Noah lived. It did not rain for a hundred years. I don't know about you. I'm just not that holy. If one if it did not rain for a hundred years in, in Hillsboro, and one of you guys started talking about you're going to build a big fat boat, and, and I would say, you know, we need to get you some counseling. I'm a life coach at Sunrise Church, <laughs> and I want to talk to you about these things, right? So so I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad about the way that people were were, were treating Noah. But Noah by faith was counted righteous by God. This is incredible. This is incredible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. As he went out, here's the key. Don't miss this. As he went out, he knew not where he was going. Do we walk with a type of faith? where God can call his sons and his daughters into a new narrative, a new call that you can't clearly see but you trust him with your life. Here's what's cool. Throughout the book cause I can be here all night, all day. But my body can't. So, look, throughout Hebrews chapter 11, 18 more examples are given. By faith this, you should read it. I'm telling you, you should read it today. You need to go read, by faith this person did this. By faith this, this person did that. By faith this person did this. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, we're here, we made it. Then we get to Hebrews chapter 12 and it starts with therefore. And that keyword therefore is all about what we just talked about. Because of all of these people Therefore, So we're going to stand together. Yeah, you got to stand. We're going to stand together as we get ready to interact with this text. Hebrew chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. You know, back in the, in the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, when we would gather together in the synagogue, they would stand when they would exhort the word of God because it was a sign of reverence about how amazing the word is because the words are the thoughts of God. And in his love, he has chosen to share them with us. And that is amazing. Amen? We have had brothers and sisters who have died and have been martyred so that we can sit in a free country where we get to lift our voices and proclaim his word. Can you do that with me this morning? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Here we go. I want to hear you. Ready? Therefore. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Man, let's have a see. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. There's no better way for us to end 2018 without the word of God. And so, how can we build a bridge now into 2019 with a new mindset in a, with a new mindset in this new year running well? Here we go. Pens are out, papers are out. Get school time, get ready to underline. We got to do our part this morning. Here we go. Therefore, therefore is the key. Therefore, circle it, make it big, make it bold. The word of God is available to you. It's not just for pastors. You can do this, okay? Therefore, because of these 18 people who live by faith. Therefore, because of people like Billy Graham, who we just got done celebrating, who lived his life well. Therefore, because of the brothers and sisters, turn to the left, turn to the right. Look, because you have people who are running their race well. Therefore, since we are surrounded, underline, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so, so the context of what the author is doing right now, he's, he's kind of talking like through the par- like a, analogy of, of an athlete, you know, in a race. So imagine this right now. I want you to close your eyes right now. Imagine, this is your life, and you're running this race, and this race is difficult. But you're sitting in the center of the stadium, and you're surrounded, you're surrounded by a stadium, a cloud full of them. It's Abraham, it's Enoch, it's Abel, it's David, right? Right, it's Paul, it's Peter, it's Lazarus, right? It's Jesus, it's the God of the universe, right? It's some of our grandparents that have passed away, right? And they're all cheering us on. They're screaming, just praising and saying, you can do it. You are not alone. All right, let's keep going. So therefore, since we are surrounded that means you're fully, you're fully surrounded. By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also. That, that's, that's key, also. But you know what's also key? Let us. The author is not separating himself. He's running his race. I told you guys, I believe through the research I've done by faith that Paul wrote this, this letter, this epistle, and as he's writing this, he's being persecuted, guys. He's going through his struggles. He's being imprisoned and beaten and shamed. He's saying, he's not saying well, you need to do this. He's saying we need to do this. I'm not up here sitting on my high perch because I get this little fancy title called a pastor, whatever that means, and I'm gonna tell you guys what you need to hear. I'm preaching to my own heart first and then I'm just encouraging you alongside of what I'm trying to do in my own life. Let us, I love that we, we, we were called into a relationship with God where it's community. You can't run this race alone. You'll die. Let us also join the prophets and the men and the women who ran the race to the end. Let us also lay aside every weight, circle weight, every weight, now, in a minute, we're going to talk about sin. Not yet. We're going to talk about sin. But what I, want to, what I want to point out is the author of this text distinguishes weight from sin. Are you with me right now? If he thought they were the same thing, if God wanted it to be the same thing, it would say, lay aside all sins. Or it would say, lay aside all weights. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, lay aside every weight and lay aside every sin. Amen? Okay, so, so there's a distinguishing factor that we don't want to miss. So, so lean in with me for a second. What is a weight? What is a weight? A weight is a hindrance. Say hindrance. hindrance. A, a weight is a distraction. Say distraction. distraction. A weight is an obstacle. Say obstacle. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so lay aside every obstacle. That's not decisively a sin. See, we as Christians, and again, if you're here and you're exploring this faith, and you're always talking about sin, sin all the time, sin, sin. You guys are always talking about sin. I don't have sin. You do have sin, but um, we're going to trust and believe by faith that as you take these steps, you're going to see, as you see the perfected image of Jesus, you can rightly see who you are. But see, our God loves us so much that he's not just asking us to lay aside our sin. He's asking us to lay aside all of our obstacles and hindrances that stop us from running well. I played college basketball. I played high school basketball, so I know a little bit about sports, okay? How many of you guys played sports? Even if it was just like for fun, you know, at the park, come on, you know, you did. You don't have to be embarrassed. It doesn't matter what your talent level is. You play, you ran, you laughed. So, how, so interact with me for a second. So if I put on a 50, uh, 55, 60-pound weight vest, and I decide I want to run five miles in a cross-country match, is that going to go well for me? No, no, my back's going to hurt, I'm going to run extremely slow, my joints are going to bother me, and I'm not going to run well. So what, he, what, what, what the, uh, the author of this passage is telling us is, hey, we need to deal with sin, we're going to deal with that in a minute, but before we even deal with sin, here, here's the key, here's the key, guys, it does not say lay aside every sin and then wait, no, lay aside your weights and then lay aside your sin. This is the Holy Scripture, everything is intentional. Learn to appreciate and to lift up every adjective, every noun, every pronoun, every predicate, everything in the Bible means something. John, I don't want to get too, uh, 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 the Apostle John tells us this. I mean, I, I, I love Jesus, guys. Hey, so, 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 so John tells us this in the New Testament, he says, if I was gonna record all of the works of Jesus, you know this text, there would not be enough books to fill it up, right? So if this is true, come on, we always hear stuff, we just whoop, whoop, stop. If that's true, does it not mean that every single word of the Bible is infinitely and supremely important, including the order? Can we please lift up the word of God and make it serious? So let's do that. So why does it matter to lay aside our weights? Because guys, that's our part. We don't get to put sin to death. We get to do that because Jesus does that. It's Jesus' righteousness that, that puts our sin to death. It's the blood bought sacrifice of Jesus that puts our sin to death. It, he redeems it. We don't. We get, though, to be in charge of some of the weights in our lives. What are some weights that we have in our lives? And how many? Here's what I want you to know weights are not always bad things. Listen to me carefully. Weights are not always bad things. Weights can be great things that are not in their proper place. No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. Weights can be great things at the wrong time and in the wrong season. See, Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time and place for all things. There's a time to sing and lift our voices and there's a time to not sing. There's a time to mourn. There's a time for new life to start. There's a time for life to end. So what are some weights in your life? Perhaps it's relationships, toxic relationships. You know what they are and you know that they need to end and they're hindering your ability to walk faithfully with Jesus, but you're not doing your part. Listen to me, you are not promised tomorrow. I preached um, a, a totally different message, but it had the same title in 2011 called New Year, New Mindset out of Ephesians chapter five, where it talks about making the best use of your time. And I did, I did an example about life is not promised. I had no idea within eight months that my life was gonna radically change, that I was gonna lose my house, I was gonna lose my, my career as a, as a student ministries pastor, that I was gonna lose the succession plan to be the senior pastor in two years, that I was gonna be moving to Oregon, fighting for my life. I had no idea. Listen to me, You're, you don't know what is gonna happen tomorrow, let alone in the next moment that you're breathing. But let me tell you what you're in charge of right now. You are radically in charge in this moment how much you wanna focus on the things of God. You get to choose that. And then you get to choose when you leave here, by faith, Lord willing, if you want to go home and you want to spend some more time in this weighty text and go through Hebrews 11, like I'm asking you to, to see the men and women of faith who did these things by faith. And then you have the opportunity, if God so chooses to give you the opportunity to wake you up tomorrow, to run your race well. That's what you get to do, right? And so these relationships that need to end, you need to do that because you love Jesus enough and if you don't love Jesus enough, then you need to not do it. You need to ask God to give you affections that want to do it so that it comes out of the right place. But here's the thing. It's not always toxic relationships, guys. Sometimes the weights are good relationships that are not in their proper place. What are those relationships that are good things? Just not God's timing. Are you doing your part there? Perhaps your weights are, are, are totally different. Perhaps you have healthy relationships right now. Perhaps your weights are Wealth and prosperity. There's nothing wrong with men and women wanting to provide for their families. Do we agree on that? I believe God has called us to be good stewards. There's nothing wrong with uh, wanting to make sure that you are setting your, your, your kids up for a good future, to, to be faithful with your 401ks. But it is radically a problem when your 401k becomes your chief motivation for all decisions you make. It's a big problem when you rationalize whether you're going to give your little son Johnny 15 minutes of your time or if you're going to go and look at your stocks just one more time and you miss your mark. It's a big problem. What is the weights that are distracting you from living vibrantly the relationship that God has called you, that Jesus has died for and that all these people have died for so that you can read this Bible that you can pick up for 7.99 at a bookstore. What are the weights? in our lives that we have to cast down. Maybe that's not you, though. Maybe you're living faithfully there. I can keep going on and on, but we'll do one more. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's safety. Maybe it's peace. Oh, whoa, Pastor Brandon, you you made a mistake. Peace, love, hope, these are are God's language. no, no. God is the author of peace, and when we look for peace in Christ, then we're looking for the right peace, not when we're trying to create our own peace. See, when we try to create our own peace, it's usually because we're kind of protecting ourselves and we're trying to be safe and I'm not going to I'm not going to push in and lean into these relationships or these conversations cuz I want to I want to keep my peace. That's not peace. That's self-protection and not trusting Jesus. What are the weights that we have in our lives? Think about them right now. Don't be lazy. What are they? Think about them. Write them down if you need to. So let's keep going. We're going to move a little quicker. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. And sin. Guys, we have to deal with it. Say, I need to deal with my sin. That doesn't sound like you believe that. I need to deal with my sin. Guys, you need to acknowledge that you have sin that needs to be dealt with, guys. You do. I do. And it's okay because Jesus has died for it. We get to do we get to deal with it in a joyful way, not in an oppressive way. We got to deal with our sin. It's slowing us down. When I say deal with it, I don't mean like you try to fix it. I mean we need to deal with it and understand that we've been forgiven and we have an opportunity to be free from it and we can live better. We can live better. So, so every way, every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race, not walk. The posture is to run hard. Run hard. These weights in your life, get after it today. These sins in your life that you're playing around with, get after it today because it could take you out. I get the opportunity to meet with people in pastoral counseling and life coaching who weep before me because they didn't deal with their sin when they had the opportunity to run. And yes, they're forgiven. Yes, they have hope in Jesus, but they still have to deal with the consequences for their actions. Run and deal with the things because Jesus has allowed you to. Let us run with endurance. We God is calling us to last, guys. He wants us to last. He's not looking for 40-yard sprints and then we don't finish well. How do we finish well? But here's really the key. This is really, really important. Let us run our race. Now, in Greek... The, word, the Greek word for race is agona. And this is now, I'm not, I, I'm not the deepest guy in all these things, but I, I, I use the original language when it's gonna really help us, right? And so the, the Greek word for race, agona, means this. It means a word or a conflict or a struggle. Now watch how the word of God opens up real, real big for us right now. Well, let me read this to you again. Let us run with endurance the struggles and conflicts that are set before us. Hello? This is good news. Guys, this means that over 2,000 years ago, it was already written that our life is going to be filled with struggles and conflict. We have to stop being surprised that our life is hard. Let me say it one more time. Stop being so surprised that your life is difficult. Your life is going to be difficult because Jesus says so. This is why we have to love the Word of God because it gives us hope. It's our prescription of how to live well. We're being called into this. We're being supported by a cloud of witnesses that, hey, life is going to be filled with struggle. Stop being so surprised. It's going to be conflict. Don't be so, so surprised. Endure, endure. Here we go. Looking to Jesus, what, looking to Oprah. No, looking to Jesus, looking to Pastor James and and, and all the pastors, no, looking to to your wife and your husband, no, stop that. Looking to Jesus, the Christ, Jesus the Christ, here we go, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder and perfecter of our faith. This is good news, the founder means he started it, but the real, this is is where I get, we get to be just sons and daughters of God. The perfecter. When something's perfected, it's done. It's finished. He's going to perfect us, guys. No matter how much you feel that you're a broken, sad, sloppy mess, the Word of God says our chief, our, our high priest is going to perfect us. He's going to finish it. He's going to finish it, amen? So who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? I know we're going a little bit long today, but I want you to get this. Is it okay that we, can we finish this today? Is everybody fine with that? The joy that was set before him. Guys, he was not joyful. His affections were not stirred to go lay on a wooden cross to be tortured, to be shamed. It wasn't the shame. He despised the shame. What was the joy? What was the The joy? The joy, the joy was, it was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It was eternity back with his father. This is the key of the whole text. I want, you to, I want you to get this right now. I want you to lean into this with me. Here we go. Gee, remember this part. He's, he's on the Mount of Olives, and he goes, Lord, if there's any other way, he's sweating blood. If there's any other way, not, but, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Then he gets up, and because of the joy set before him, he stepped, and he leaned into the conflict. He leaned into the struggle, Man, our God sent his son, the God-man, God wrapped in flesh to show us. Brandon, brother, sister, it's because of the joy that is set before you. you don't, you're, not, you're not supposed to love your conflict and your struggle. It, it's not going to be pleasant. Jesus didn't even want to die on the cross. But the way he was able to endure the cross, all this is good news. The way that he was able to endure the cross is that he looked beyond the cross at the joy that was set before him. See, our problem is not our sufferings and our conflicts and our complexities and our, and our superficialities. Our problem is that we're, we're meditating on them so much that we don't have the joy beyond them, which is one day, eternity, with our Father. And we get to be a part of that cloud of witnesses. Amen? So as we close today, I want us to remember this. We serve a God. We serve a great God. And we serve a God who, if we believe by faith, will walk us towards the end of our race. I want us to have, in this new year, to have a new mindset where we run with joy, not oppression, not legalistic efforts, with joy towards a race that God has called us to. And if Christ becomes supreme in our lives, three things are gonna happen. Your joy even in tragedies and complexities in life, will overflow. And that's in your handout. Your joy will overflow if you trust him. And that joy will sustain your life of sacrificial love for others in a gospel-centered way. And that joy-sustained love will make Jesus look like the satisfying Savior in your affections that he's always been meant to be. Amen? Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you for the blessing that you have bestowed upon our lives throughout 2018. And Lord, I just remember, Lord, those two things that I mentioned in the beginning that I'm so thankful for. And and Lord, whatever everybody wrote down this morning that we intentionalized and we were just lifting up and saying we're thankful for, we do. We thank you for that. But Lord, this morning, as we look towards 2019, I pray that you will incline our hearts to the beautiful weight, the weight of what your word has shared with us this morning. Let us run our race with endurance and with joy, trusting that you are going to be the perfecter of our lives, the perfecter of our faith. Holy Spirit, embolden us to walk in a way, Lord. Embolden us to walk in a way where we joyfully, affectionately, from our own desires, cast aside every weight and every sin that's slowing us down. We do it all because you're worthy. It's because of your beautiful name we pray. Amen.